Good morning, Hope College. Happy Monday. All right, we're going to do that again. Good morning, Hope College. All right. Hey, with uh, us today, I want to introduce my friend, J.D. Murray. He's a senior, and he's going to share a little bit with us about something that's happening this weekend. Hey, everybody. I'm J.D. Murray, and I'm a senior. Uh, just wanted to briefly let you know about an upcoming event through Campus Ministries. It's called Men's Night Out, something I'm super excited about. It's going to be this Friday out at Camp Geneva from 6 to 11. All the men of hope are invited. Pull out your phones, scan that QR code. I want to see all of you there. Thanks so much. Thanks, Eddie. Hey, also, we have Women's Night Out this weekend for the ladies. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday at Chapel. But same thing, out at the beach, you want to be there, so sign up. 22 years ago, I got a chance to go to a men's night out. It was on the beach as well. And on an early Saturday or Sunday morning, we hiked up a dune and sat there together and listened to the Sermon on the Mount recited to us. And I'd never heard it that way before. And it really impacted me and changed my life. Who would have thought that I'd be here some 22 years later, standing on this stage, getting to talk about that same scripture with you today. And actually, all semester, we're going to be going through the Sermon on the Mount. Some might say, what does a talk thousands of years ago have to do with us today? I want to read you a quote from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, our 32nd president and the one who served during World War II. I doubt if there is any problem in the world today social, political, or economic, that would not find happy solution if not approached in the spirit of the Sermon on the Mount. I believe the words of Jesus have more relevance today in today's culture than any other time. Today, we're going to have Megan Radis read to us. She's a captain on the women's golf team, a business major from Alma, Michigan. We won't hold that against her, but she's going to read to us some scripture. More important than any of the stuff she does is who she is, and if you have never heard her laugh, it's something to be enjoyed. So, yeah, some of you guys know that. So go ahead, Megan, read. Thank you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You see, we began in the dark. It may have been 4 a.m., but on this morning, we believed the sacrifice of sleep was going to be worth it. So we stumbled around in that dark night and quietly snuck out of our cabin. We were weary from a long week, but we decided that if there was enough of us, we would be able to get up the mountain together. So we began to climb this part of Mount Princeton together, one foot in front of the other, 23 of us, crawling up the rocky slope together. Doubts crept in for sure. It's not worth it. I'm too tired. I'd rather be sleeping. And if we were honest with ourselves, we were a little bit afraid. 
It was rocky terrain. The elevation change was no joke. The Sandwich Mountain Range we were scaling was in fact home to the most 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado. I might get hit by one of the rocks so clumsily displaced by one of the fellow travelers ahead of me. Someone might fall. One of us might get hurt. But, 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 something about the light drew us near. And we had each other to help us keep climbing. And we found solid footing, and the light began to peek through. And we sat together in silence after the long, scary climb. You see, there's really nothing like a piercing sunrise after a dark night. It's even more fulfilling when experienced with dear friends. And as I think about Jesus' words from Matthew in that Sermon on the Mount, I'm reminded of that day nine years ago when I got to climb the mountain with my friends and sit there in the presence of God and in that light. You see, when Jesus spoke the words, you are the light of the world, he was on the side of a mountain speaking to his closest and dearest friends, a ragtag group of followers from all over the place, ordinary people like me and you, he was calling to do extraordinary things. Don't hide your light. Embrace it. Let it burn. Let it spill over for all to see. You see, light brings life. Light provides warmth and comfort, and light exposes the things hidden in the dark. You want to be like this light. You are to be a reflection of Jesus, the true light, the one who created light and sustains it. You, you, you are called to bring life. You, you, you are called to bring warmth and comfort. You are called to expose the things that are hidden in the dark, but too often we let that darkness overcome us. As a young man, when I heard these words, you are the light of the world, I thought, man, that's my charge. I got to go be bold, be courageous. I got to live out my faith. Even though I don't know what that means, I've got to do more. That's what I heard when I said, you are the light of the world. And as I got older, I turned 40 this year. Man, that was tough. Talk about being over the hill, right? I'm, I'm now down the slope. But as I got older, the more I realized that it's not just about being bolder and more courageous. You see, I believe that darkness impacts all of us in different ways. It impacts me and you and all the ones I love. And sometimes we let this darkness diminish our light. And I think there's three things that hold us back. Number one is pain, number two is fear, and number three is shame. Pain, perhaps our light has been diminished, perhaps our light has been dimmed or even snuffed out. Maybe it's the abuse or trauma of wounds by ones you should have trusted the most. Maybe it's the hurt of a broken relationship or the never-ending sting of the different isms that cause divide among God's people. Maybe it's even the pain from the church itself. You see, the pain, the pain, the pain causes us to not be able to shine our light. And then there's fear, fear of what others might think about us, fear that we're not good enough, fear that if we really speak out, we're going to offend someone else, and fear that we will no longer be accepted in the space we're at if we truly live out 
what we believe. And then there's shame. We've all felt it. I'm not good enough. I've done too much, drank too much, smoked too much, sinned too much, hurt too many people, done one too many things to be accepted. I can't shine my light. There's too much darkness in me. My eyes have seen and my hands have touched too many things unclean. So we stay hidden in the dark. It's easier to stay where we are. But Jesus does not want us to stay there. His desire for everyone to be in the light. He came to conquer death, sin, every sin, and bring light and life to the world. It's the good news of the gospel. We are all in this together on a journey towards hope. Seeking to embrace the light, trying to not let the darkness overcome the world. Listen to this quote by Philip Yancey. Thunderously and arguably, the Sermon on the Mount proves that before God we stand on level ground. Murderers, temper throwers, adulterers and lusters, thieves and coveters. We are all desperate, and that is in fact the only state appropriate to a human being who wants to know God. Having fallen from the absolute ideal, we have nowhere to land but in the safety of absolute grace. Isaiah 59 says it this way, No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. We look for light, but all is darkness for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if there were twilight. But God saw, it says, God saw this. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled. And so he sent his own son to intervene on our behalf. You see, you guys, we don't have to be the light by ourselves. We don't have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do more, be more for God to love us or for God to use us. All we have to do is accept what God has already done on the cross for us. That's the big word. That's the thing you need to understand tonight. If there's darkness, if there's things you're holding on to, you are not disqualified. You aren't. You haven't done too much, drank too much, smoked too much, sinned too much. God conquered it all on the cross. And his light, his light came into the world to bring life, to conquer the darkness. You see, Jesus says, I am the true light of the world. In him there is no darkness. He entered into this broken and dark world so that we can have light. Our role is not to overcome the darkness, but to embrace the grace and light of Jesus. Hope College, as I end, what I long for for you is that you learn to embrace the person of Jesus Christ, the one true light of the world, and let his forgiveness, his hope, his mercy, his love, his compassion overwhelm you and heal the broken places inside you. As we learn to embrace the light, it will begin to pour out of us and flow over flow through all our cracks, and we will shine like stars even in the darkest of nights. Thank you. Go in peace.